0: The Bible talking about, in fact, in your prayer, you mentioned how uh, the Bible talks about life. Let's see, I've, I've listed some of them. Psalm 103, verse 15 and 16. Someone read that for me, please. I'm testing out a set of contact lenses, and I've got one for near and one for far, and my near is like, I feel like I'm turning older and I can't hardly see it. But I can see it, I just have to focus. But if you could read that for me, Psalm 103, verses 15 and 16. Someone else, take James four, fourteen, and one more person, please, Psalm 8, 4. Psalm 103, 15, 16, James 4, 14, and uh, Psalm 8, 4. Who, t- who took uh, Psalm 103? Okay, would you read that? In, I almost said in voz alta, which means like in a loud voice. Would you say that? I researched flowers one time in the Bible, and I thought, oh, what does the Bible I have to say about flowers? And every time it talks about flowers, it talks about them wilting very fast. They're beautiful, but they don't last long. That's our life. Uh, James 4. James says what? James 4.14. Everybody took the first one, and nobody took the second one. I should have asked for a volunteer. Okay? The Brazilians don't really get this verse as much as the Michiganders do when you walk out on a cold morning and you go, and you can actually see your breath. I can see my breath virtually 365 days a year. It's so bad. But uh, he says it's like a vapor. It just. Isn't that encouraging? Uh, well, get this one then Psalm 8 4. Yes? What is man that you say, Father? That son of man? David's like, our lives are just like a. Fleeting thought. Why do you even think about us? And uh, as I hit my six zero last week, uh, my thoughts uh, turned to uh, the brevity of life. Uh, Baptist Mission sent out an email recently that said twenty year pin do, and I'm like, they give a pin for twenty years of service, and I thought well, they must have sent this to the wrong guy. Oh wait a minute, yeah, we've been there for twenty years. I was at GM for twenty. Two years, 23 years, and I'm, now I've been in Baptist Missions for t- another 20. Wow. It's piling up. Uh, my life has been, been good. Uh, it's had its moments anyway. Uh, it's been an adventure. It's been funny. I'll often get after a message, and your message just pierced my soul. It was like a sword, long and dull. thanks. Or they'll say, you should have been a comedian. And I think, yeah, you're probably right. But my, my life's been scary sometimes too. And yet my, my life goal has been, one of my life goals has been to reflect Christ. And I'll have to tell you that I fail daily. It's been to glorify him. And I still struggle with that. Some kids think, when I get to a certain age, then I will know everything. That's usually about 14. But then they soon find out that life can be complicated. Someone asked me about Michael Mateos. I remember last year that I threw out those ropes for you to hold. Both of those boys were released from jail about six months after they were taken in. And uh, the two have come to church. Mateos has come probably a couple times a month. Michael has, has been coming faithfully. And we just went through just about eight weeks of church discipline and is, was accepted back into the membership of our church last week. So thank you for praying for him. Still needs prayer, but he's, he's, doing, he's very excited about what the Lord's doing in his life. Have you ever sat down and just reflected on God's goodness and faithfulness and mercy in your life? Don and I took up a project at the beginning of this year where we, we're, going, we're going to keep, and we are keeping, a list of blessings. Sometimes we, we think, oh, praise the Lord. We ask God's blessing on our trip, you know. And then when you get there, you get out of the car and you play and you go home. You forget about saying, thank you, Father, for the safety that you've given to me. So we've been trying to record the incidents of God's blessing. Now we could have a list of, you know, he gave me this breath and this breath. And this breath. We, we aren't getting that detailed, but uh, each breath we take is a blessing from God, isn't it? Maybe we should get that detail. But when's the last time you just sat and thought about God's blessings and faithfulness in your own life? Uh, in, in Psalm 89. I'd like to go there and kind of look at this psalm. It's a psalm written by uh, a man called Ethan the Ezraite. And I thought, well, now there's a name that Who is Ethan? So I did a little bit of research and uh, noticed that he's mentioned several times in in First Chronicles, and as well, he's mentioned uh, in uh, First Kings, chapter four, verse thirty-one, where it says that Solomon was wiser even than Ethan. So, or Ethan was pretty. Don't take this wrong, but he was a wise guy. He was a wise guy. He was very wise. Ethan was a very wise man. So he, he wrote one song that became a bestseller. He was also placed as a uh, one of the leaders of music in the temple. He was placed there by David. So he was alive during David's reign as well as during Solomon's reign. And look at what he says in verse 1 of his, his song. It says, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever to all generations i will make known your faithfulness with my mouth so what was his goal he was going to sing of the loving kindness of the lord forever now that word loving kindness is a long english word that probably you don't use on a regular basis but it's uh it's a very it's a, it's a word it's a word in the hebrew now i'm not a hebrew scholar but uh, the people that are tell us that that word is rich with meaning. It's God's covenant love. The love that He promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to David. And He, is, he made a promise to love. He said, I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. Now, wait a minute. Did He know something of eternal life? Because He says He's going to sing it forever. I believe that probably in his wisdom, he did believe in eternal life. But then he said, to all generations, I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. He gets specific, doesn't he? He says, I'm going to use my mouth. I'm not just going to sing in the the shower because I can't really sing. I can't carry a tune. And so I'll just sing in the shower. No, he was going to sing with his mouth of God's love, loving kindness, to all generations. Now, this guy lived during the reigns of David and Solomon, so it was about 900 years before Christ. Here we are in 2013, and how could this guy say he would sing to all generations? He's just one guy. He lived way over on the other side of the world. How is he going to touch us? Well, I guess he's touching us this morning, isn't he? His words recorded... In Holy Scripture, he what he sung then is still being studied today. Can one person make a difference? Ethan was making a difference. Verse 2, he says, For I have said loving kindness will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. We hear this over and over and over and over and over again. God is faithful. God is faithful. I'm not faithful. God is. It was 16 years ago. It was in 1996. Is that 16? 17 years ago? I'm bad at math. But anyway, it was in 1996, 1995, that I first made a call to Ambassador Baptist Church with Fear and Trembling, and Pastor McLaughlin answered the phone. And... uh, I said, Pastor, we'd like to present our ministry there. Uh, wondering if you, you know, you'd love, or you, you, if you'd like to have us come. And he's like, No. Why not? Come on, we're going to Brazil. No, he just basically said, Nope. Got the missionary slate full this year, so I can't use you. Hung up the phone, thought, Okay, we'll go to something else. But anyway, about a year later, this is really cool. <laughs> Uh, he called me back. He called me back, and he says, uh, Mike, you still, uh, you're still doing deputation? Yeah. Well, one of our missionaries from our missionary conference backed out. Would you be interested to in come present your work? And I'm thinking, no, forget you, man. We are coming down there. <laughs> have you ever heard a missionary turn down something like that? No. I said, yes, we'd love to. And that's when God overruled us both and allowed us to come here, and we've been a part of your mission family since 1996. And each month, whether you know it or not, you're putting money in my pocket. And it's helping us to stay in Brazil. I, I often think that Pastor Marino is doing that on purpose just to keep us out of his hair. Oh, he, he doesn't have hair, does he? Uh, but anyway, you know what I mean. Keeping us down there in Brazil has been an expensive venture. But, you know, you guys have been a demonstration, a shot in the spiritual arm of faithfulness over those years. In fact, just, just yesterday... I was looking for uh, information and somebody from another supporting church said, could you send us information on your support level? And I noticed that Ambassador Baptist Church beside it was $200 and it said support. And I'm like, must be a mistake because I know it wasn't that much. And, And I asked Pastor this morning, he said, yeah, we've increased your support. That's incredible. That is God's faithfulness. When I first went to the field, I, my, uh, my UAW mentality was kicking in pretty heavy. And I thought, this missionary thing is a house of cards. We're going to be depending on other people for money to eat every day and pay rent and build churches. How is that going to work out? You know what a house of cards is, don't you? It's very delicate and one little, and it goes... And as I let my mind meditate on that, I thought, there's got to be a better way to get money to go to the mission field. I even thought one time of buying a lottery ticket and uh, making a million dollars so that we wouldn't have to go beg money of churches. Can you believe that? A missionary, spiritual missionary like me, thinking about something like that? Wow. God has proved himself faithful. When we went to the field, we were excited because we had talked to a missionary friend and he'd said, draw an 80-mile circ- or circumference or radius from your house and look for churches within that radius. Ask God to provide your money to go to Brazil. I thought, man, that's a pretty neat idea. We've got friends that have uh, churches in Maine and San Diego and Seattle and, and Miami. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I was talking to a missionary just before we came home. And he said he has 63 supporting churches, none of which give over 50 bucks a month. So when we got all of our churches except for two in Michigan, it was like, wow, that's cool. And then, recently, you remember what happened here in Michigan. The crisis hit, and the big three went down, and it was like, oh my goodness, we are toast, and we're headed home. I'm sure of it. How could we stay? We have all of our supporting churches in Michigan. I don't know why, but God is faithful. And he he has increased rather than decreased our support. Why? I don't know. But God is faithful. Ethan said, I will sing of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness... uh, Began at salvation, didn't it? Ethan here, through this psalm, he, he recounts the ways that God's faithful. Look at verse 5. The heavens will praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the Holy Ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty is like the Lord? A God greatly feared, verse 7 in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all those who are around him. O oh Lord, Lord, O oh Lord God of hosts, you who is like you? O oh mighty Lord, your faithfulness also surrounds you. This sounds like a psalm of praise for faithfulness to God. Then God begins to speak himself and he, he recounts how he promised to David the throne. And how that he was fulfilling that promise. Look at verse 19. Once you spoke in vision to your godly ones and said, this is where God steps in. and He says, I have given help to one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David, my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him. The story of David is so precious The last son chosen or the last son revealed, and yet the son chosen by God to be uh, the shepherd king. And it sounds like that Ethan is singing God's praise for faithfulness until you get to verse 38, where he says, But you have cast off and rejected, you have been full of wrath against your anointed one, you have spurned the covenant of your servant. Wait a minute, didn't he just say that that was an everlasting covenant? It was that everlasting covenant love. And then he says here, you spurned it. You have profaned his crown in the dust. You have broken down all his walls. You have brought the strongholds to ruin. All who pass along the way plunder him. He has become a reproach to his neighbors. You have exalted the right hand of his adversaries. You have made all his enemies rejoice. And to the end of the psalm, it's a downer. It's like, what happened? The bottom fell out of all this praise and all this faithfulness and all of the remembering of God's goodness. He goes on and on. He says, you turned your back on us. You've rejected us. This, this psalm made me think of uh, often unexplained discouragements that come our way. Uh, pastor asked me of Sidhu. He and Paul were able to, pastor and Paul were able to meet Sidhu and Zita at their home. We had, they'd just come from Uruguay and were dead tired. And that night, that very night that they arrived, we went over to Sidhu and Zita's house for for an evening meal with a bunch of other people from our church. And I didn't know it at the time, but they were both dead tired. One of the events that stands out in that whole meal was that a bug fell in Paul's soup or something, and, and Paul just went ahead and ate it anyway. And all the Brazilians were like, oh my goodness, Americans eat bugs. <laughs> you have to go to the mission field to do that kind of stuff. But uh, at that point in time, Sidu was uh, exuberant in his faith. He had accepted Christ one year ago. He, we had uh, Alishandi had invited a friend of his to come and preach a series of messages on the Book of Revelation, and uh, Sidhu's little girl Larissa, who at that point in time was twelve—no, she was eleven—she had been she had come to know the Lord at Bible Club. Her testimony was in the, the presentation, and she kept inviting her mom and dad to come to Bible to church, and they kept saying, "Well, we will, we will, we will, we will, we will." But when Sidhu heard about of the book of Revelation being taught, he thought, "Wow." Cedar was a very, uh, he's a very charismatic type person, and by that I mean he, uh, people like talking to him because he he's got an extensive vocabulary. He's a very he's a leader type, uh, but he's also approachable so that you can, you can feel like you're talking to him and, and you he likes you. He was influential in getting our neighborhood put together, as I mentioned in Sunday school. But he didn't want anything to do with religion. He was a tree hugger. He was agnostic, I believe, and uh, antagonistic toward religion. And yet, that book of Revelation really perked his his, uh, attention, and he came. And during that conference, he accepted Christ as his Savior. It wasn't uh, too long after our return. We returned in July of last year. We got there on the 4th of July, actually. And uh, I was skeptical about Sidhu because I thought, my goodness, this guy who is so full of himself, has he really accepted Christ? And uh, we began doing Bible study with him, and I could see that he was very, very excited. Very excited about things of the Lord. In fact, uh, I started that Bible study with a little bit of fear and trembling because there were going to be two people involved in that Bible study. It was going to be Sidhu and his wife Zita, and then Gilberto, who was... Uh, he's a he's a Navy man, a career Navy man, and uh, he's a he was a Sunday morning only Christian. If you know what that is, he he came to church on Sunday morning only. And in the end, he confessed that he had never really accepted Christ, Gilberto. But but, but is a real thinker. He's a very detailed person. He likes to analyze everything. He likes to research. He likes to. Uh, know the answers for every uh, question. So I had Sidhu and Gilberto in my Bible study. <laughs> I was petrified. I thought, oh my word, what are we going to do? Now, they'll have all kinds of questions that I won't know the answers for, and I will be eternally researching the answers. But what happened was, uh, at the first Bible study, included in that study were Zita, his wife, Sidu's wife, uh, his son Eriki, and his daughter Ladisa, and they were just loving the study. A Very simple study, but at the end of the study, Sidhu said, "Pastor, can I say something?" And I'm thinking, "Father, help no heresy to come out of his mouth. Help him to be calm. Help." <laughs> we're sitting around the table, and I said, "Sure." And uh, he said, "Do you know what I have discovered in this Bible study?" I'm thinking, "Oh, Father, here it comes." <laughs> He said, I discovered that the word of God is like the most important thing that we, could, we should focus our attention on the word of God and that, that Jesus Christ has come to save us from our sins and that without Jesus Christ, we're going to hell for eternity and, and it's just by God's grace that we've been saved. And I said, oh, praise the Lord. He did. That's exactly what he should have said. I was so excited that I almost wanted to jump up and down and kiss the guy. But he was so thrilled with Bible study that he said, Pastor, you know what's happening? We're having this Bible study on, uh, on Thursday night. Or were we having it on Wednesday night? I think we were having it on Wednesday night at that point in time. Then we had church on Thursday night. He said, Pastor, we need, we need something in between Sunday and, and, and uh, Wednesday. We need something like maybe Tuesday or like Monday because it's just too long in between services. We gotta, I, I want to be in the Word more. So you can imagine a missionary's happy heart when you have a guy like that doing Bible study. You just it was exciting. Everybody that he'd meet in the neighborhood and everybody in the neighborhood knows him because he was one of the leaders that helped organize that. And everyone he would meet, he would want to tell them about his salvation. And then uh, he would he said to me one time, he was a drinker. he, he was he was an alcoholic. Couldn't be a day without a six pack or an eight pack or whatever of beer, a couple of whiskeys, and then he got saved. And he said to me, "You know, I, I when I feel the urge to drink, you know what I do? I pray for about. I pray, and in about five minutes, that that urge goes away. About uh, November, he took a drink, and by mid December, he was drunk pretty much every day again. And he was just doing some bad stuff. Uh, I took about three or four months, and then he finally, he's he only, he only come Sunday morning to church. And I thought about God's faithfulness. I thought about uh, the story of Mark. God can still use him if he gets a hold of his life. Then I thought of the story of Demas. You know that story. Mentioned just three times in Scripture. And uh, the first time, the second time, pretty good recommendations by Paul. The third time is, Demas has left me because of the world. He wanted the world more than he wanted the things, of, the spiritual things. So I was discouraged. I thought, Father, what, what work are you doing in Cedar's life? Just... The night before last, Sidhu was on Facebook. Have you ever heard of that? It's like this little thing where you get on and you can chat with people all over the world. And uh, he, he just said, uh, how are you doing, Pastor? And I'm like, hmm. hmm. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm in a luta, which means I'm, I'm fighting. I said, what do you, what's the fight? He gave me a one-word answer, drink, fight and drink. I know that there's more fights there than he knows I know, but he recognized that he's in a fight with drink. And I said, what is, what's drink doing to your family life? He didn't understand my question. So I said, what what do you think you need? He said, oh, Pastor, I need your help. Hurry back! I want to—I want to put drink behind me, and I want to dedicate myself to the things of the Lord. That was exciting to me. Wow! I almost want to cry because I think God—I had—I had told the Lord the day before that little chat, Father, do whatever it takes in Sibu's life to bring him back to you. Whatever it takes. When you tell the Lord something like that, it's a scary proposition. And Sidhu was feeling the pressure of that already. The night before that, uh, we were at uh, First Baptist Lake Orion. Let's see, where was I? I'd asked a church, one of our churches, to pray for him. So all these people asking God to help this man see his need was working. I didn't want to tell Sidhu, hey, buddy, I've I've given you over to the Lord to take care of it as he sees fit. But uh, I believe that's what God is doing. Do you get discouraged in your walk? Uh, Ethan that wrote this song, was pretty discouraged. He started out with great praise. I'm sure that he never lost that intention. But then he started seeing bad stuff happen. And he began to question and question and question and question until the very last verse of this psalm which says, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Two amens there. Uh, The Lord is good forever. Amen, and another amen, because I do believe that. That's what he was saying. Amen, and amen. My tendency when I see people like Sidhu, uh, I'll often give up on them. I'll we have a lady right now that's in the hospital. She has to weigh 65 pounds if she weighs an ounce. She might weigh a little bit more than that, but not much. She's had a very rough life. She's an alcoholic. Her husband's a Buddhist, a Brazilian Buddhist. Yep. Her life's destroyed. She can't come to know the Lord because if she does, she'll leave her husband by himself if the Lord comes back. That's her way of thinking. I'm fearful for her right now. She lays in a Brazilian hospital in the middle of winter, which down there gets down into the 50s, and the hospitals are wide open, virtually zero blankets, not much help. She has flu. I'm praying that God opens her heart to salvation. Her name is Val, V-A-L. Pray for her. We've shared the gospel with her a number of times. Her daughter comes to our church, has trusted Christ. But God is faithful and will be glorified. I always like the positive glorification where I can be a part of the yay rather than the. I know God's faithful, and I know that He'll be glorified. We have to do what Ethan, in his wisdom, did in the end say, Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Father, I thank you and praise you that you are faithful. I thank you that I don't need to know all the answers or understand all of the reasons but I know that I can trust you and I thank you for the opportunity of sharing your greatness and your goodness this morning. Father, I pray for Silu even now as he's at church. Sunday morning, Father, I pray that you would prick his heart. Do what you need to do to bring him to you. I pray for Val as she lays on a gurney in a hospital, Father, that you would just encourage her, help her to see her need of Christ and come to you. Father, I thank you for allowing us to share this time together. In Jesus' name.